Now we're joined by the experts at Vetify, a new data analytics and thought leadership company that is transforming financial services from an industry to a community, one relationship at a time. We can deliver value to that advisor because that's what they're telling that they want to engage in. We want to make sure that we're putting the right pieces of content in front of them at the right time. Tom, thanks for joining me this week. Great to be here. All right, so Vetify, tell us about this. Uh, Pretty big news. You know, I I feel like ETF Trends and ETF Database, those brands have been around for as long as I've been in the uh, ETF space, actually longer, which is saying something. Uh, Tell us about this new branding with Vetify. Yeah, so Nate, it's it was a, it was a really um, educational and enjoyable experience to go through the process to think about all of the attributes that we have to be able to bring to the market, and and so we think about ourselves uh, as a fintech who is a B two B, so a business to business company that has sincere B two C responsibilities, so uh, you know business to consumer. And so by that, I mean, you know, a lot of the folks that we work with, clients are, are issuers and have products in the market that ultimately the community that comes and visits uh, the Vetify platform via the ETF Trends and Database platforms historically, um, they're doing research about best ways to access investment strategies, how to position client portfolios, how to educate clients all along their, their journey of, you know, building wealth, ultimately achieving their goals. And so... As we thought about all of those component parts that we have as Vetify, uh, we really needed a name to embody that end-to-end service that we're able to deliver while also speaking to the rich heritage, as you uh, mentioned, as it relates to um, all the things that we've done historically and, and making sure that there is, is certainly all of those things are brought into the future. And so if you think about um, the name in, in and of itself, it, it was a process that I was able to be a part of, uh, certainly a small part. There was a, a team of experts, both internal and external, who helped us think through the name. But even this, the way in which we thought about that, we, we tried to uh, layer in all of our core values and, and all the ways that we wanted the market to perceive this end-to-end capability set that we have. So. Everything that we do is certainly um, underpinned by a, a rigorous and uh, disciplined nature as it comes to data. And so if you think about the root word vet, you know, to thoroughly investigate something before making a decision. So that's a hat tip there. And then, and then VEDA in Sanskrit actually is, is one who knows or an expert. And in Italian, it means a summit or a peak. And so the, the, the word VETA certainly has some uh, dual meaning. And then FI is a hat tip to a, you know, the short form of our world, which is finance. And, but it also speaks to the fact that you know, we're forward-leaning and thinking about things from a technology-first standpoint. So as we think about the collective assets of uh, ETF Trends, ETF Database, Alarian, S-Network Global Indexes, we needed to be able to speak to the market in a cohesive voice which ultimately will be able to enable us to deliver more value to partners, uh, that B2B relationship that I referenced. But it's also going to enable us to do more, and we're going to get into some of the, the ways in which we're doing this, Nate, as it relates to my role, but to continue to invest in tools, in data, in the front-end technology that is empowering our platform. So those B2C relationships that we have, for example, with our advisor community that you and I talk quite a bit about, 
Uh, we want to invest behind all the things that have, have been successful to date, but also innovate for, you know, the, the future needs of, of that audience and, and looking forward to do that under the Vetify brand. I have to ask you, I saw a uh, piece from Todd Rosenbluth last week where he pointed out that uh, ETF, so so literally the, the acronym ETF, it, those letters are still in the Vetify name, right? The, the letters are actually in there. Was that intentional or did you uh, just get lucky there? Well, it, it was intentional, Nate, but I, I take absolutely zero credit. It was <laughs> that, that all-star team that we had that I was able to be a, a cheerleader around. Um, and, and there was like, that's a good example of the thought that went into it. And and you mentioned, you know, some of the history of the brands. One of the things that we're, you're going to see in the market is where there's instances where those uh, legacy brands like Alarian, for example, and the rich history that it has as it relates as a, as a pioneer in the MLP space, we're going to pay homage to those brands as we go forward under the branded house Vetify. And there, you're going to see instances like that, like that sort of uh, Easter egg, if you will, where ETF still exists in Vetify. Literally, you cannot spell Vetify without ETF. And, and you're going to see in some other instances, be it Alaria and ETF Trends ETF database where we pull some of those brands forward. And just uh, briefly here, you, you mentioned your role. I noted at the uh, the top, you're now Chief Product and Innovation Officer. Is anything changing with your responsibilities? I think uh, a, a little bit, Nate. Uh, certainly, uh, a lot of what I have done historically, I'm going to continue to do. But I think that across Vetify, we want to crisp up our focus. And, and one of the things that, as you grow as a company and as you grow uh, your solution line and your capabilities and the ways in which you're interacting with uh, clients and customers, uh, you need to you need to look for a, an amount of specialization. And so, really, my role is going to become more focused on one of the components that I historically was related. Was I, that I was focused on, which was, you know, building products and tools to engage advisors and investors and other segments of the market in ways that ultimately drive that, that data flywheel that you and I so often talk about. We think that uh, great engagement on the platform is going to inform better decisions and insights for us to position content in ways in which are going to ultimately deliver more value to that community. That's a bit of that virtuous cycle as, as we think about, you know, the product and our go-to-market um, you know, on the digital platform. And, and I'm going to be doing more of that. We're going to be investing in that as we are across the entirety of the company. You know, for example, uh, you know, talent, uh, you know, our talent continues to grow. Just this morning, you know, Vetify named Brian Coco, uh, head of index products. So Brian comes to us from, from JP Morgan Asset Management and has a rich history in building some of the most innovative uh, indexes, you know, around. And, and we look forward to uh, tapping into that. But also, you know, I'm going to work closely with, with Brian and think about ways in which we can use that disciplined and unique perspective that we have on, on data to inform uh, all the things that we're doing, including some of the construction of indexes. All right. So that's the perfect segue here, because I do think listeners have come to expect that anytime you join me on the podcast, we do typically lean into your data and analytics and certainly behavioral analysis uh, of advisors, because you do have this real-time intelligence on the entire ETF uh, universe. So this week, we're going to look at equity ETFs through that lens. And what I like about this is, look, you and I have talked a lot recently about uh, where investors and advisors are looking to hide out, given that stocks and bonds are off to a historically bad start to the year. 
And we've obviously focused on things like commodities and alternatives. And then even on the bond side, we've looked at areas like shorter duration ETFs, tips, floating rate notes. But we haven't really discussed what investors are doing differently on the equity side with the S&P 500 now down 16 percent this year and the Nasdaq down 26 percent. So I'm looking forward to this because you have data on where advisors have been engaging on the Vetify platform and where they haven't. Now, I I did think to start here, I know we've done this before, Tom, but given the Vetify rebrand and just for people who haven't heard this before, can you briefly explain where this data comes from that we're going to look at? Yeah, so Nate, absolutely, and and you're you're exactly right. We've we've talked about um, you know just as recently as a couple of weeks ago, but it's been a theme that we've touched on over you know the last number of quarters, is that this idea of you know uh, the sixty forty and and dissecting that forty and and where are advisors uh, you know leaning in there, what types of asset classes are they looking to maybe replace a little bit of that fixed income exposure, but we haven't recently drilled into that. 60 or, or the equity part. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And so where this data is derived is, is across the Vetify platform, we're interacting with tens of thousands of financial advisors and hundreds of thousands of investors of all types on, an, on a daily basis. And we're monitoring their activity on the back end, thinking about all the ways in which we've tagged and cohorted content, which enables us to, to look at where is time being spent. So if you think of an advisor minute, or an investor's minute of that 60 seconds, where are they spending time? And you think about, okay, well, let's look at that through the fixed income lens. Is that in you know, short duration, long duration? Is it in tips? Is it in munis? Is it elsewhere? And of that minute, what is the proportional amount of time that that investor or advisor is spending on each one of those component parts? And then as you continue to drill down, you can then go all the way down to the product level and think about, how are they looking ultimately to gain exposure to a, a specific strategy? And so what that enables us to do is it enables us to take that data and take it to our research and editorial team and think about, are we positioning our content? Are we uh, positioned within the conversation that is the most important to that advisor or that investor at that point in time? And are we leaning in there to make sure that we're doing our job and in, in educating them so that they have the right tools at their disposal to make great decisions about either their portfolio or client portfolios. And, and really that's, um, you know, how we think about the data and, and, and you know, I'm going to run through a lot of different, uh, you know, just sort of tidbits here, Nate, about some of the hot and cold dots. Um, but this is the data that we are looking at, like literally have teams of, of folks pouring over and, and thinking about how we can use in the most effective manner to deliver product to those users. So that's, that's a little bit of the context there. And so, so diving in, as we think about that equity side, where are advisors looking uh, in the first quarter of 2022 versus the, the fourth quarter of 2021? And there was a few that you know sort of jumped off the page as, as I was going through the data and, and look, looking for your perspective here as well, Nate. So as we think about sort of the core part of the equity portfolio, interest in dividend ETFs continues to be really strong. Um, you know, a couple of tickers that you know, even within the context of great engagement within dividend ETFs, CDC, uh, a victory shares U.S. equally weighted uh, volatility weighted ETF with an income enhancement on it, about 70% uh, increased engagement from a quarter over quarter perspective. Uh, the, the Pacer suite, you know, for example, GCOW, ticker GCOW, 
the Pacer Global Cash Cows Dividend ETF up over 200% uh, quarter over quarter, and, and that entire suite seems to have you know significant engagement. But across the entire dividend spectrum, where I think you you said the word Nate, where advisors are, are um, hiding out a little bit, I think they're certainly looking for for that dividend um, you know attributes of the income, but also a little bit of the muted volatility. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, if you look at the relative performance of dividend ETFs to something like the S&P 500, there has been fairly substantial outperformance across the board. I, I just pulled up the performance on the, uh, the the Pacer Global Cash Cows Dividend ETF. That thing's up 9% year to date. And you compare that to the S&P 500 being down uh, 16%. I mean, that's a, that's a big difference. So it makes sense to me that advisors are are researching and, and looking for additional information in, in the dividend ETF space. Yeah. And in, in a similar vein, um, you know, I looked at all the, uh, the, the team and I looked at all of the um, ETF tickers that had the name quality in it. And, and so, you know, there's different, you know, uh, attributes of quality, but we looked, we um, filtered only to the equity space. So we're looking at ETF equals equity and has the, the, uh, the, the word quality within the name. And that, that showed about 15 or 16% quarter over quarter engagement. You know, so a couple of examples there, the Wisdom Tree Global XUS Quality Dividend Growth Fund. So you're getting a, a mixture there, not only quality, but that international flavor as well. And that actually rung true through a number of the different quality names. Like, for example, IQDF, the Flex Shares International Quality Dividend Index Fund, those two funds, even within the context of quality, showed relative outperformance at about 25 or 30 percent uh, quarter over quarter. So again, the idea of where advisors are hiding out, and, and you know, to your point, Nate, some of the performance within that um, you know broader list of ETFs was was quite strong. So a good place for advisors to be, um, you know, at least having some some focus or or allocation. The international aspect is interesting to me because again. If you look at the the relative performance of say developed international or emerging markets versus the S and P five hundred, international is actually outperformed not substantially, but but there is a difference there. And so I think if you combine that international exposure with something like a dividend focus or a quality focus, again it makes sense that advisors uh, are engaging there. One question I have for you is when I think about dividends and, and quality. Um, Look, both both of those obviously are can be part of a core portfolio, right? Uh, but but I'm curious, are you seeing anything around say low volatility or equally weighted ETFs, like other areas where advisors might be rethinking how they get that core exposure, or, or did that not really stand out in the data? Yeah, no, Nate, we actually did look at that. So like, for, to just to give uh, the audience some some ideas of, of some of the tickers there. So like SPLV, the Invesco, you know, S&P 500 low vol ETF, RSP, also an Invesco product, which is the equal weighting of the S&P, or QQQE, which is an equally weighted way of getting exposure to the, to the NASDAQ 100, YPS, USMV. So these are all different you know, slightly different variations and flavors on the theme of low volatility and or equal weighting. And so I did look at that data, Nate, and, and that was relatively flat in the first quarter versus the fourth quarter, which frankly surprised me a little bit. But amongst those five tickers that I mentioned, there was there was an, uh, um, more interest in SPLV and RSP, the two Invesco products, probably with an eye towards, you know, that exposure to the S&P 500 as opposed to maybe some of those other 
uh, uh, other indices. And, and so I'm curious on your take there, both the low vol and the equal weight S&P 500 had the most amongst that group in terms of advisor engagement. Well, I'm going to be a broken record here because, again, I think it comes down to performance. I mean, if you look at SPLV right now, that's down about 7% on the year, again, compared to, to down 16% for the S&P 500. If you look at RSP, the equal weighted version, that's down 12%. So still outperformance there. And I, I just, my, it's not that advisors are, performance chasing. I don't think it's that. I just think that when you're looking, we've had a regime shift in terms of of the market environment, right? The Fed's not being supportive of the market the way they were before. And so I do think advisors are taking a step back and going, okay, if we don't have these easy money policies, maybe it's not going to be a, you know, mega cap tech show moving forward. And we need to rethink how we construct the core of our portfolios. And so that's driving that interest around the, these alternative uh, ways to get that exposure to core equity. So, no, I, I, again, makes sense to me. Um, what, what about on the thematic side? So we've talked about core here. I mean, anything jumping out to you on thematic ETFs? Yeah, aer- aerospace and defense, um, you know, getting exposure to, you know, a, lo- a lot of similar, um, you know, underlying companies power a big parts of those specific ETFs. So if you look at a, you know, PPA or XAR, the Invesco or, or the, S, the, the Spider aerospace and defense products, a lot of the whole underlying holdings, so Northrop Grumman, Lockheed, Raytheon, you know, General Dynamics, Honeywell, names like that have performed quite well. Obviously, what's going on from a geopolitical standpoint and what's happening in Eastern Europe is driving some of that interest and some of that performance. But the aerospace and defense as a whole, that sector showed almost, you know, 300% quarter over quarter interest. So as, as a theme or, or as a strategy, you know, certainly getting some significant attention across the platform. All right. Just briefly here, what about on the other side? So equity ETFs where you're seeing a drop in advisor engagement, a- anything standing out there? Yeah. And again, you know, Nate, you spoke or gave me an opportunity to uh, talk about the data. And, and, and so, it, it is zero sum. You know, an advisor only has one minute to spend. And I'm not suggesting that that's how long advisors are engaged in the platform for upwards of, you know, five to 10 to 20 minutes at a time. But for every one minute, there is only 60 seconds. So for every overweighting of their behavioral interest, there has to be some some puts on the other side of the ledger, so to speak. And so where where is that attention coming from or where is it down? Probably also not highly shocking, but, you know, the fintech suite, the blockchain suite, even large cap tech, all down significantly quarter over quarter. You know, so you could think about fintech as, you know, a product like an ARC F, uh, the ARC fintech innovation ETF, or you think about, you know, the blockchain space. We've talked about a couple of these names historically, BLOK or BKCH, you know, the Amplify and Global X respectively products. That whole space, you know, as you're seeing performance, uh, you know, come come down significantly, advisors are turning their attention to those other areas that we talked about uh, just a little bit ago. And and obviously, you know, the thing that is most interesting as you roll around in this data, Nate, and, and something that we kind of try to look for is that performance is, is a uh, rear view metric. You're, you're looking historically what happened. One thing that's interesting is to find where advisors are spending time about how things might foretell the future. And, and so you know, using it as a bit of a predictive mechanism to think about uh, where is the puck going, 
And some of these things are, are speaking to the fact that this is a bit of a, you know, a high correlation to what's happened historically. But one thing that the team and I spend some significant amount of time on is thinking about where are advisors spending attention, where are investors engaging on the platform, and how does that speak to uh, what, what may be happening in the future? Well, Tom, great stuff as always this week. Uh, congratulations on the rebrand and everything you're doing with Vetify. I'm really excited for you and the team, but thank you for joining me this week. Thanks, Nate. Have a great day. That was Tom Hendrickson, Chief Product and Innovation Officer at Vetify.